Welcome to Consulting Mastery, where we help B2B consultants master the business of consulting. I'm Carrie. And I'm Ahmed. Join us as we explore the art of delivering outstanding client value, earning a higher income, and thriving in today's marketplace. Hey, so let's have a conversation about why it is so damned hard to do the things that you need to do. And I say that because I was going to say I've had this theme in conversations over the last week or so, but it's probably a a much longer uh, timeline than that of folks who know what to do. They have their to-do list. They've edited it down. They know what's important and they just cannot seem to get it done. And it's not a shocking thing. My guess would be the folks that are listening to us right now. There's, you know, many of them who are like, oh yeah, 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 that's me. And so (laughs) that it might be helpful both to them and quite frankly to me, maybe to you, I don't know, to have a conversation about why we sabotage ourselves in that way and how to get around it. So I think there's a few things here. Number one is it's a really enjoyable process to decide what you're going to do and make a plan for a lot of people, right? Planning, you know, um, releases all kinds of happy chemicals in your brain because you are thinking about the future in a positive state, which is a good thing. It's a good exercise, but you're envisioning what's going to be and what could be when you do all these things and experience all the benefits of doing the things, which is fantastic. It can also be very addictive because actually executing and doing work um, is going to force you to encounter the real world challenges of getting results. You're going to encounter problems and challenges and obstacles. And there's going to be this, this dissonance between your expectation and your results prediction error, as they call it, right? In psychology, where you thought something would happen and then it didn't happen. You've got to deal with that and then pick yourself back up and try again. And all this is very difficult in the absence of very strong motivation, very clear reasons why you want to go about doing this thing apart from, you know, releasing those happy chemicals in your brain. Agreed. And you know, we should probably circle around that point a bit, excuse me, because I think it it is the most important one. And people jump far, far, far too quickly to making the list. And don't get me wrong. I love a list, like way more than the next guy, I'm sure. One of my favorite things, have a really good list. But this notion that you're talking about that the building of the list actually gets you somewhere uh, is dangerous. But, you know, really, really tempting to fall into. And so one of the things we do when we're talking to to the people that we work with all the time is to slow them down and not even let them get to the list, right? Not even get, let them get to the to-dos before we have a very intense conversation about why it is they're doing what they're doing and what their motivation is. And what's really interesting about some of those conversations is their motivations aren't even what they thought they were in some cases, right? The thing that they thought they were trying to to head towards is not actually the thing that is driving them. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, if you haven't stopped to think about why you're doing what you're doing and really spend some time reflecting on it, I don't mean like an hour. I mean like months or years. <laughs> right? Like I've learned more about what's motivated me. Um, I, I continue to learn more, you know, year after year, month after month, but not by just doing things, but by continuing to reflect on what's really driving me and the reasons, mm -hmm. you know, I do what I do or what motivated me five years ago are not the same as today or a year ago or two years ago. It certainly evolved, but it's only evolved through my continuous reflection on the why. And you know, I was going to mention, you know, we've got a, we've got a new program as you're well aware of Carrie called consulting launchpad and launchpad for short, uh, helps folks go from, you know, not being a consultant to being a consultant, right. To from working a full-time job or being an executive somewhere to being a, a successful, highly paid independent consultant. It's making that transition. So we talked to a lot of people, the team does who, uh, like the idea of becoming a consultant and certainly see some benefits in doing so and are compelled by the proposition. And the question that we ask them is, why do you want to do this? And the ones for whom they kind of see it as a path among a variety of paths, and there's nothing really compelling them to pursue this path, path versus others, for example, get another job or change careers or get a higher paying job, et cetera. Um, guess what? They don't convert <laughs> and they don't build successful consulting businesses as a result. But the ones who say, I need to become a consultant. Consulting is my next career. It's where I'm going to focus and I'm going to succeed for these reasons. You know, I'll give you an example. Someone I talked to recently um, who essentially said, I'm too overqualified for most of the roles that are open right now. So I'm, I'm not able to find a job because I'm overqualified and everybody knows it. So between now and retirement, I think consulting is the only meaningful way for me to practically, you know, earn some revenue and, and build my nest egg. That's a pretty clear why. And he's pretty committed to consulting as a path, therefore makes a really good prospect for us and will build a highly successful consulting business because he's all in. Mm -hmm. And you talked earlier about, <clears throat> excuse me, your why evolving. And it's also really fascinating to watch that happen with people, you know, particularly when we're talking about folks in the consulting space, right? Because what I find is often the case is the initial reasons are the reasons that kind of are out there in the world, right? Out in the zeitgeist, right? <laughs> why do I want to be consultants? Well, because I want to make a bunch of money because I want freedom because I, you know, all of the things I want to be my own boss. I don't want to work for somebody else. All very, very valid reasons. But what is fascinating to me is as people go through the process and actually launch the business and actually live in the world of being a consultant, those things will start to shift. Not that they're not important, but you start to hear people talking about things like impact, right? Like legacy, like you know, what do I want to be remembered for by not just my clients, but by my family. And it's about digging in and getting, you know, peeling back those layers and understanding, okay, I get your initial answer when I ask you why you're doing this, but upon reflection, you are going to go, you know, 
much, much deeper than you ever thought you would to understand where it is that you're trying to go. And the deeper you can get and the closer you can get that to a, a why, a reason that really, really speaks to you, that circles back to where we were at the beginning of the conversation, which is that is going to be the thing that pushes you when you're tired, <laughs> that lets you get back up when you've fallen down, as you invariably will, that you know ensures that you, you don't lose the, the real true thread at the base of all this. And that's really the, that's the, I don't want to call it a hack. It's not a hack. It's the opposite of a hack. But that's the way to finding a motivation that's going to last and stick with you in the long run. Well, that's where the dopamine gets released, right? So if you understand dopamine, dopamine is that chemical neurotransmitter, whatever you want to call it, that motivates you, that, that gives you the energy to go out and do things and acquire things and try things and meet the outside world because everything that you want involves some kind of interaction with the outside world, right? Mm -hmm. Going, getting what you want. And dopamine is a neurotransmitter that motivates you to do that. And it's released when you are compelled by some kind of vision of the future, mm -hmm. when it's exciting, when you want it, when it, when it, you know, it, it lights you up to think about doing it. That's where you get this release of dopamine that motivates you to go forward. But if you don't have that compelling vision of the future, then you're just doing hard work. You know, like my five-year-old just started school. Okay. And she's used to being at home and doing whatever the heck she wants. And that's a good life, right? She wakes up when she wants, you know, she plays with her Barbies and, you know, she reads books and she just does whatever she wants, whenever she wants. It's a good, good deal, <laughs> right? And now she's in school. And I was like, what are we, what are we doing here? Like, what's this mm -hmm. about? Why am I here? I have to wake up early. I get less sleep. I'm being rushed out of the house. I eat this box lunch. You know, I don't care for my teacher's tone. You know, some of the boys are annoying. She do and she doesn't even understand that there is an upside for her. So it's like, can I stay home today? Is her question every single morning, right? So that's, you're like that five-year-old starting school. If you're trying to do hard things, well, that are really clear, compelling, emotional why behind it is eventually, I don't care how much willpower and discipline you have, you're going to ask yourself, what's this all for anyways? Why mm -hmm. am I bending over backwards for all this? And so I don't know that I will ask you how you're helping her find her why, because I'm sure that's a, a very different and much more complicated process. But, no, you know, I, we're talking. I, I tell her bedtime stories about a girl with a very similar name to hers, but that's different. Who started school and loves school. Ah, okay. So a little subliminal messaging I'm a is your tactic. After all. Okay. Fair. Fair enough. Um, but all that, you know, if someone doesn't have someone in their corner, you know, sending those messages to them as they as they fall asleep. <laughs> Let's talk about how to get there because we're we're talking about it as something that needs to exist, right? You have to have it, you want to find it, you need to understand it if you're going to be able to propel yourself along the you know, often frustrating and difficult and challenging path that's ahead of you. The question I think is, is how to figure it out because we either don't know often or we think we know, but if you just think, you know, but you're still not feeling that motivation, it probably means you haven't figured it out for yourself yet. I think the, 
one of the most powerful exercises that you could do is essentially a meditative visualization where you get yourself into a meditative state as best you can and you visualize what you want the future to look like with no constraints. So I don't mean business, I don't mean family, I don't mean health, I don't mean money. I mean, just like, what do you want? And just let your let your mind go wherever it needs to go. Just picture the future. What are you doing? Where are you? Who are you with? What are you feeling? What are the emotions? Like, just feel it and experience it. Mm-hmm. And do that consistently until you start to develop a very clear picture of where you want to be. And what you're going to find is that picture, like ultimately what we're after is feelings and emotions. That's, it's not money. It's not status. It's not fame. It's not, uh, uh, you know, accolades. It's not revenue. It's feelings. (laughs) Like ultimately, you know, even the most altruistic people are chasing a feeling of altruism. So when you get clear on what you want to feel and what you want to experience, you can then reverse engineer what needs to happen to get those feelings, to get those experiences. And that for me personally provides a lot of clarity. Absolutely. I would say for someone who maybe isn't a sit and meditate, you know, or or sit quietly person, writing can also be really helpful. Just sit down and start you know, kind of free writing around exactly the same thing you're talking about. But, you know, if you need to have that connection to something tangible, have a pen, have a piece of paper and just describe it, right? You can do that in a lot of ways. You can describe it from your position. You can write yourself a letter, you know, five years in the future and describe what things look like then. So writing, I find, can be a hack to, um, you know, to make that process just a little bit more accessible, If these just sitting and thinking is challenging and then adding on to that, exactly what you said, which is go back to it. This is not a one-time exercise and it's going to evolve, but what you're really looking for, no matter how you approach it is how you connect like from the deepest part of your being to this vision that you have. I think a big part of this, regardless of your modality is blocking out external noise. Right. So I think what, what often prevents people from being able to think clearly about what they want is all the noise that they're letting into their consciousness. That could be social media that often is social media is a big source of that noise. Cause on social media, what do you see? You see people who are apparently living lives that you want. You know, I, my social media feed right now is that, all these guys that have bodies that I want, right? Like it's all these fitness guys and like, you know, this, that, and the other. Right. And, and then, you know, you might see business people that have businesses that you want and other people that have relationships that you want. And, and you start to lose your sense of self if you're too tuned into this. And by the way, the algorithms are feeding this to you. Right. And there's a whole other conversation to be had there about how social media has changed the way that identities form. Because social media is boxing you into a bucket. You're this type of person. And then the algorithm's feeding you content to reinforce a certain identity, right? And so you're going to go further down a certain path or identity 
via your social media consumption than you otherwise would have naturally on your own. Not because you want that thing, but because you think you want it because the message is being forced upon you. So <laughs> it's very dangerous. Social media is a major distraction. And I think you, you would do well to significantly cut yourself off from it as much as possible. But then there's also friends, family, you know, I think some of us are conditioned to, you know, really weight the opinions of some of our loved ones, whether it's parents or a spouse, et cetera, or friends, um, higher than we weight our own opinions. And so there's also a, a learning process of being able to just listen to your own voice without necessarily entertaining or worrying about what others might think or believe or say. The good news is that the things that other people are saying usually aren't the thing that connects to the feeling. That is solely and completely yours, right? That is your unique way of approaching your life, right? You're the only one that knows what's important to you. And now it's the time to give yourself permission to do this reflection, do this investigation. And honestly, like keep it to yourself if you want, right? Um, you you know, may or may not like being able or the way that you can articulate what your driver is. And the reality is it doesn't matter if you can articulate it or not. What matters is that it invokes in you the feeling that you need to step out into the ring every day and, you know, really push. And that's what's going to get you where you want to go. Well, the interesting thing is there's some danger in telling people what you want and what you're trying to achieve and sharing your goals. Because when you do that, you release some of those neurochemicals, including dopamine, by just talking about it. Because it's a kind of exciting, right? If you're, you want to start a business and you've got some plans, you're excited about it, you go and talk to a friend, you have coffee. I'm going to do this. I'm going to build this. I'm going to have this. Just that very discussion gets you excited and releases some of those happiness chemicals in your brain. But you need those. <laughs> you need those to actually motivate yourself to do the work and you're essentially expending them for no reason by having the conversation. So there's some really strong reasoning to just not share this stuff with anybody, keep it very internally focused, and then, and then use that as motivation to actually execute and do the work. Yeah, I think in the end, like most things, it's all about self-awareness because there may be moments where you need to get that little boost, right? So having that conversation with that person is going to actually push you a little bit. It's going to, you know, get you over a hump that you're facing. And to your point, and maybe more often than not, there are going to be times where that is just kind of energy being let loose out there in the world. And so you know, the other thing is just to, to pay attention once you think you're figuring this out and see what's affecting you, Right when do I feel most motivated? When don't I, you know, what activity leads me to not just feel good, but to actually take action, to feel brave, you know, to move, <laughs> to do a thing that I need to do. And that's going to be different for you than it is for me. But you know, the real trick is finding that understanding.